0: Welcome to Partnering Leadership, conversations with leading influencers in the greater Washington, D.C. region and global thought leaders, helping you align better with your purpose, grow professionally with meaning, and have a greater impact. For additional leadership insights and bonus content, visit us at PartneringLeadership.com. Now here's your host, Mahan Tavakoli.
1: Welcome to Partnering Leadership. I'm really excited this week to be welcoming Robert Dylan Schneider, Robert is the founder and principal of the Schneider Group, and he is also known as the Dean of American Public Relations Executives. He has authored more than 14 books, and we spent most of our time in this conversation talking about his latest book, The Public Relations Handbook. Robert is an advisor to many Fortune 500 companies, And he also previously served as the president and CEO of Hill and Knowlton. So he really knows public relations and what it takes to be able to effectively get the organization's message out. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Robert, and I'm sure you will also both enjoy it and understand better the role that public relations can play in today's environment. I also enjoy hearing from you. Keep your comments coming. Mahan at MahanTavakoli.com. There is also a microphone icon on PartneringLeadership.com. You can leave voice messages for me there. Don't forget to follow the podcast. Tuesday conversations with magnificent change makers from the Greater Washington, D.C., DMV region. And Thursday conversations with brilliant global thought leaders like Robert. Now here is my conversation with Robert Schneider. Robert Schneider, welcome to Partnering Leadership. I'm thrilled to have you in this conversation with me.
0: It's terrific to be on the show. You know, the audience for the show is really top-notch audience. Serious people that do serious things. So the chance to offer an opinion and help their thinking means a lot.
1: Bob, I really appreciate it and the audience appreciates it, most especially because you have been called the Dean of Public Relations Executives. So I can't wait to get some of your thoughts with respect to public relations. But before we get to that, we'd love to know whereabouts you grew up and how your upbringing impacted the kind of person you've become.
0: I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and I went to Notre Dame. And then in 1967, I was leaving Columbus to go to New York on a trailways bus. And my dad came home from work. He was running a newspaper then. And he sits down with me over a tuna fish sandwich in our breakfast room. And he said, I know you're going to be successful when you get to New York, but if there's a problem, I'm here for you, which I thought was really tremendous. It just gave me a spur to move forward, which I've been in New York with the exception of seven years in Chicago since 1967 great place to be. It's a little bit difficult these days because of crime, but I'm hopeful the mayor gets it together.
1: New York is a wonderful city and has been through some of its own ups and downs, but you got involved in public relations and had a successful career eventually for many years at Hill and Knowlton. What was doing public relations like for you at such a big firm rising up to the top of it?
0: Well, Hill and Alden had a great reputation in those days. It was a great firm. They were getting the biggest clients and the most technical problems. So I was attached to those problems, whether it was the Ford Motor Company or Johnson or Bank of America, whoever it was, I would get attached to it. Fortunately for me, I was able to provide some insight to solving the problem. That really helped me advance my career. They put me over groups of people. I said, when they did that, this was a mistake. They looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, my real ability is actually doing things, not overseeing people who are going to do things. So they made a deal with me that I could have both my cake and eat it too, which I did. I then went out to Chicago and when I went to Chicago, there was a firm of seven people. I took it over. The seven people didn't like me. They saw me as an loafer that he gave me an office in the mailroom. That's where I worked. (laughs) So in a matter of about two weeks, I moved to the best office in the company. We built it from seven people to 300 people. And we're really the great firm in Chicago. Lovely place to live. Then I was invited back to New York. Of course, I came. That's what happened.
1: And then eventually, what made you decide that you wanted to launch your own firm?
0: I was asked to breed the law. And... I said to the person who asked me, I could do this and do it really well. But I said, if I broke the law, you'd have to go to jail too. I said, I don't think you should be in pinstrips. I don't want to be in pinstrips. This fellow pursued me and I said, look, why don't I just get out of your way? You do whatever you have to do. I'll start my own firm. I was having lunch that day at the Four Seasons restaurant in New York, lunch with August Bush, formerly of Antetzer Bush. And Budweiser, I said to August, who had given me a contract three million dollars i said august i can't really take this contract i'm leaving the firm this afternoon i won't be there he said what are you doing explained it to him so we went outside the four seasons standing in the street and we said goodbye it's a pretty good relationship with august but the time i got home which is i walked from 52nd street 87th street the phone was ringing and it was the chase manhattan Bank. it was wr grace it was the Ford Motor Company. These were all people August Bush called that said, Bob's moving to his own firm, giving one of us to work with. Him. That's how I started the business.
1: That's outstanding and a credit to the relationships you had built and the value you had been bringing to all those clients. Now, one of the things you referenced, Bob, is the lack of ethics. And one of the challenges sometimes with respect to public relations is the conversations around ethics. Recently, a couple of months back, there was an article in the Washington Post about Facebook having funded uh, an anti-TikTok campaign and op-eds of people criticizing TikTok for various uh, initiatives, some right and some wrong. So the question with respect to public relations is, Where can the lines be drawn? Is everything fair in love and war and in public relations? Or are there crossing the lines and where would those lines
0: be? It's a great question. The bottom line is this. If the client or the organization you're working with chooses to do something that is illegal, untoward, embarrassing, you say to them, there's another way to do this. And you help them find the other way to do it. Because their objective is to reach a point where they won't have the problem. So you got to help them reach that objective. Is it smart to do things that are of color, wrong, against the law? Absolutely not. The reason it's not smart is you go to jail. Or your reputation is besmirched for some time to come. So you can't do that.
1: That's why for over five decades, you've had a great career in Public relations. When you reflect on public relations, what has changed most significantly over the past few
0: decades? Public relations used to be thought of as a press release operation: get my story in the paper, get my photograph in the paper, and a lot of that is still done. But public relations has changed dramatically. How to deal with Washington? How to deal with employees? How to deal with the financial community? How to address Europe? how to address the Chinese in the face of the war in Ukraine. All these are big questions and public relations people should be able to step up and answer these questions. And you might not have the total answer, but you can make a big contribution. So that's what it's all about. It's going to change even more. It's a very exciting field to be in these days.
1: It is exciting. And that's why your insights are essential for this. One of the things that you mentioned is as a first step, You need to determine what you stand for and what you want to communicate. One of the things organizations have been having a lot of problems with recently is trying to determine whether they should take a stand or not and what issues they should take a stand on. So when you're advising clients, and many of your clients are Fortune 100 companies, and you work with them on their long-term strategy and their public relations, What types of issues should organizations take a stand on and which ones shouldn't they take a stand on with respect to their public relations?
0: Again, another interesting and important question. Owners of a public company are the shareholders. That's who owns the company. So you need to make sure you're doing what the shareholders want you to do. And so the shareholders elect the directors That's their spokesperson at the company. So, You need to ask the directors or advise them in terms of what to do. Clearly don't want to do anything in bad taste. Don't want to break the law. Always tell the truth. These are big issues. Sometimes people don't want to deal with issues like this. Sometimes people don't want to do anything at all. Just do nothing. And the answer to that is that's a big mistake. I remember being in Philly, Ohio, many years ago on the sixth floor of the Marathon Oil Company. And the CEO, the wonderful guy, a uh, great fellow, he'd love to have dinner. was looking out the window down at the main street. They said to me, you see that guy down there? You see him? I said, yeah. He said, that's a wall street journal reporter. I said, okay. He said, what do you think we should do? I said, let's go and talk to him. Or let's invite him up here. He said, we can't do that. I said, what do you mean we can't do that? He said, I'm not going to talk to the press people. I said, will your story change because. He's a Wall Street Journal reporter and he sputtered for a minute and he said, no, I said, let's go down and buy him a beer or buy him a hot dog and have a conversation with him, which we did. And it was an enormously helpful marathon fending off a takeover by a oil company. I remember one time the CEO said to me, we got to get people's attention here. We got to get them on board. I said, okay. He said, I want the Senator on staff to help us. So I went to the Senator's assistant, and I said, will Senator Smith do this? And he said, to speak from a flatbed truck, it's $50,000. To send a letter, it's $40,000. He gave me a list of things like that. I didn't agree to any of them. (laughs) So he said, what are you going to do? And what I did was I got a small kid, probably 10, 12 years old, and I got a handmade sign made. And the sign said, "Daddy, don't let them take your job. And the kid went out, and his photograph appeared all over the country. Much more effective than the Senator.
1: That goes to the power of communications and power of PR when done well. It's not just brute force. It's strategy and intelligence put behind it.
0: Absolutely. Every time. The kid, by the way, grew up to be an Eagle Scout. And I was very happy about that. I'm still in touch with him. We don't have the sign any longer, but he did a great job that it.
1: Now, for your book, Bob, you, in essence, it's almost like a textbook and can be presented as such. You got a lot of great thought leaders and practitioners in public relations together to contribute to it. I wanted to touch on some of the chapters and elements that you covered in the book. One of them is engaging the community. Public relations is all about people. So what are best strategies for organizations trying to engage the community We aim their public relations.
0: First thing you should do in terms of any opportunity or problem you have is figure out who is going to be important to this. A lot of people think the whole general public is important. We have to reach everybody. I was taught by a man named Jay Pritzker many years ago in Chicago that you really only have to reach one or two people. He said, in terms of the problem we have, we don't have to reach a million people. We don't have to reach a hundred people. We have to reach these two people. How do we do that? So we outlined a strategy to do it, and we did it. On another case, however, there was a company that was bringing a new cereal on board, Kellogg, great new cereal. They said, how are we going to do this? I said, we're going to let people in Grand Central Terminal know that the cereal is out there, so as they get off their trains, we're going to have people waiting with bowls of the cereal so they can try it, and we'll have camera crews, and the camera crews will take their shots, and we'll have people With microphones, they'll gauge reaction. That worked. And virtually there were three or four days of attention to this new serial. And it helped put it on the map. What you
1: share, while it sounds simple, it's one of the biggest challenges organizations and individuals have. In that when they think everyone is a potential customer, we want to reach everyone. They have very little chance of reaching anyone and anyone being a customer. So clearly determining within that community, who are the individuals or the few individuals you need to reach is a critical first step to many branding initiatives, marketing initiatives, and public
0: relations. It is a critical first step. And there's a second part to that. One of the chapters in the book is by a man named Frank Lutz. Frank is probably the best pollster in America today. Maybe the world. And Frank doesn't just count votes and say 42% for this 18%. No, he doesn't do that. What Frank tells you is here are words and phrases that people who are going to be important to you listen to and they're motivated by. And they use those words and phrases. We did this recently with a client. Frank gave us four different sets of words and phrases. The client said, we can't use this stuff. He said, what do you mean? They said, it's not as literate as it should be. I said, look, this is what people who are important to you believe and they don't want to hear. And it's consistent with what your goals are. So we got to do it. We fought that for a while, about two or three weeks. And their image began going south. And they said, why don't we give once a chance? And now their images are really quite good.
1: It's interesting, as you mentioned that, Bob, it's one of those issues and struggles that I have many times with people is convincing them that you are not your own clients and you are not in the minds of the people you're trying to reach. So stop saying this wouldn't work for me. You are not the client. So in this instance, in the words that you mentioned with Frank Luntz, finding the words that work most effectively for the organization, it might not resonate with the executives of the organization, but they are not the people they're trying to reach.
0: That's exactly right. The people in the C-suite are generally the people you're trying to reach, David. It's only a really different language. If you wanna reach everybody, get on the street, and figure out what they're saying.
1: And as you mentioned in that chapter, Frank Luntz mentions words matter and you talk about words that work. So when an organization and an executive team is working with you to determine the words that are important in their public relations, what is the process to determine what are the words that work most effectively?
0: You stand in the room with a cork board behind you and you start putting words and phrases up on that board and taking them down and showing how they fit together. This is a tedious exercise. A lot of people making a lot of money don't want to deal with it, but if you do it the right way, you'll come up with the sentences and paragraphs that will work. And if you use those sentences and paragraphs with everybody, you'll be very effective. The best thing that can happen in a situation like that is your opponent gets angry and decides to shoot from the hip and shoot at you or shoot at your words or phrases just keep repeating the words and phrases, and that'll really drag me into a bad situation.
1: Those words have a lot of power. Now, one of the things that has happened over the past decade or so is the impact of social media and the evolving best practices as a result of social media. So how have you seen social media impact public relations, Bob?
0: It's huge. Everybody is on social media today. Everybody is touched by social media, this podcast will be eventually put out over social media. So it's huge. What needs to happen is in addition to social media, you need to start out with some of the really classic places that people go for information. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Atlantic, different publications. They need to take your position. Social media picks that up. It's very rare that social media can take one important problem and extend it beyond a day. They don't have that much to say. So what you have to do is figure out how you can put stuff to say in the hands of social media and then dribble it out over time. So you get an impact. But the people driving social media generally try as hard as they can to impart facts and information, but they run out and when they run out, sometimes they Resort to hyperbole or statements that just have no basis in fact. That's the end of the day for them. So it's important to understand those things.
1: The way I think about it, Bob, and would love to get your thoughts, is that you first need to have a public relations strategy. And then based on that strategy, develop content that is shared through various platforms, various media outlets. And then the social media helps magnify and amplify that content as opposed to starting out with a social media is a tool at the end of the funnel rather than at the top of it.
0: Exactly how I feel about it. I'm sure some people in social media won't agree with that. And some people that want a quick fix won't agree with that. But if you take the position you just described, it does work. And when it works, your problem will go away or your opportunity. Will be achieved so uh, i've seen that happen again and again having said that i do think we're just at the beginning of social media we're going to see some form of regulation coming out of washington i don't know what but it's going to happen we're going to see people coming into social media that are very much like the people that came into the news business in the 40s 50s and 60s these are people that really based what they did and said on hard facts so Hyperbole, just statements with no purpose. It's going to be out after a while. Right now, we're going through a difficult period. We probably will for another six months a year. But once that's done, we're all going to have a sense of responsibility that is not there right now.
1: As we evolve and go through that, Bob, another thing that you have worked for years with organizations on is handling crisis management. How do you guide? Clients in advance of a crisis to prepare for potential
0: crisis? No client wants a crisis. Worked in situations where people come up with their red book. What's in this red book? This is the way we deal with crisis. And I said, look, every single crisis is different. So toss the red book aside. It's got to be nothing. Every single crisis is different. You have to dimensionalize the crisis. What is it? Who does it affect? What are the correct facts and information that surround the crisis? And how do you get that out there in a way to make the crisis go away? You have to do that. Not easy to do. And in the heat of a crisis, people do strange things and sometimes they lose it. You have to help people get back with two feet of the ground.
1: Another challenge and issue that they've had listeners write to me about, and I hear from clients and other executives I interact with, is the incredible noise level in the world around us. Before even we were being exposed to a lot of information, now more so than ever. So everyone feels like it's very difficult to get anyone's attention on anything. So when you are working with clients and advising them on their public relations strategies, How do you recommend for them to get traction in a very busy world, in a very noisy world where there are dozens of platforms with tons of content that reaches any one individual at any point in time?
0: That's a great question. It gets back to Frank Luntz. What do you say? That's very important. Secondly, it gets back to people that are admired by other people. For example, if we were working for a major university, which we do. And we wanted to get the students at the major university all walking in the same drum. We find the two or three people the students relate to and have them understand the story, have them take it out to the students. If we're working with a big corporation, we find an employer too, not necessarily the CEO, who carries the story to the entire workforce. That's the way to really get that done. Without doing that, you just are out there shouting in the wind. And it's a good way to get a sore throat.
1: I love that. That goes back to a point you made earlier, Bob, which I think is really important and want to underline in that you narrow the focus to the few individual targets as opposed to a broad focus. You're much more likely to gain traction with a narrow focus, even on the larger group, than just sending out information. And passing on information to lots of people. And that's why I want to touch on another point that you mentioned in your book. You talk about internal communications. And that is another element of public relations. Organizations have to internally have a public relations approach. In addition to making sure that they isolate the influencers, what are some best practices and thoughts and approaches on doing that well?
0: You've got to find a series of points that your employees can relate to, emotional points that they can relate to and get behind. You've got to make them feel as if they don't take this position. They are just shorting the company. You've got to make them feel as if they took a different position. It would really be a mistake. So those are the big things that have to happen. And that has to happen very early in a campaign that a company's involved in. Because once it's on an end, the people start talking, you got a serious problem. The grape growers in Southern California they let it go ahead of the big grape growers, and obviously that created a tremendous union movement and almost destroyed the grape business. They got it, didn't I like grapes? But they didn't do that.
1: It's interesting because when we talk about public relations, typically people reflect on the outside world, however because of many reasons, including the flattening of hierarchies, the fact that organization decision-making has become much more networked rather than hierarchical. I think that is one of the most important elements of public relations, which is how do you communicate internally and align people internally before you even worry about the public relations outside of the borders of the organization?
0: It is because if you don't get the people internally on board, and you do something outside of it and they don't like it, it's going to be a serious problem for you. You cannot afford to do that. And you have to deal with the people inside. And you have to deal with people inside that have heroes inside. In every organization, I don't care if it's a company like General Motors or a pipsqueed company that has 200 people, there are heroes in the employee workforce or heroines, one or the other. You've got to convince those people of the message, and get them to talk it up. Because if you're trying to convince everybody at the same time, it will not work.
1: I love that theme that you've come back to, which is whether within the organization or in communicating outside the organization, that is a critical part of doing public relations. As you're guiding client organizations, Bob, and you want people, the listeners to this podcast, to start out having an impact on public relations, how should they make sure their organization approaches public relations most effectively?
0: They have to find a way to reach out to a decision maker in the corporation and say, here's what our organization is. They need to hear from you. They need to hear from you today, not next week. They need to hear from you now. Can you come down and talk to us? There's a company I'm familiar with where everyone goes to have a cup of coffee at 10 in the morning, every day of the workday, five days a week. And they had a serious problem. So all these employees are in this kind of area, having their cup of coffee. And I convinced the man, not the CEO, to stand up and call attention to everybody. And I gave him three sentences to articulate which he did. And he got everybody on board. It was pretty pretty dramatic.
1: Bob, I know you've written many books, including this uh, public relations handbook. In addition to this one, when executives are looking for ways to lead their organizations better and do a better job promoting their organization, what are some resources or practices you typically find yourself recommending to them?
0: There are executive coaches out there. There are many. There are only a few that are really good. So Getting an executive coach to work with you on uh, how you present yourself, language you use, all those things. Very important.
1: That's a great advice for the audience to connect with you. Find out more about your writing and your book. Where do you typically send them, Bob?
0: Just go to the website if you want to find things out. But again, on a website, you really don't find it very much. You find what the people on the website want to write. So, you need to talk to the principal. So, call the principal on the phone and have a conversation. I really appreciate your book,
1: The Public Relations Handbook, and you taking the time to share some of your thoughts on public relations with the partnering leadership community. Thank you so much, Robert Dylan Schneider.
0: It's great being on the air with an opinion leader like yourself. Thank you. You've been listening to Partnering Leadership with your host, Mahan Tavakoli. For additional leadership insights and bonus content, visit us at PartneringLeadership.com.